But jumping back in, the family fragmentation. We, last week we talked about the, um, a fam, the family falling apart. And this week what we're going to move towards is the practical. The everyday, what do we have to do to put a, fa- a fragmented family back together? Um, Carrie Schmidt in his book divides this up into two categories. So we have part one this week and then part two next week. So how do we put a fragmented family together again? Let's jump right into it. Well, you know what? We better not jump too far before we pray. So let's stop and pray before we jump too far and end up falling on our face. Let's pray. Dearly Father, God, we love you. God, we need your help so badly this morning. Lord, there's so many things, Lord, I know that are swirling through my mind. God, and I need you to steal my heart. Lord, I ask that you'd please just uh, help me to say would only be a help to our families. Lord, I thank you for every individual in here who's taking their time out of their schedule, Lord, to come to this class. And God, I ask that you'd help me not to have wasted their time, but Lord, through your word, be able to be a help and encouragement. God, would you help us to open our hearts, Lord, to be willing to change whatever we need to change so that, Lord, you'll be magnified in our lives. We love you. Thank you for all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so now let's jump. Number one, seek God's direction through prayer and Bible study. How do we put a fragmented family back together again? We talked about how the devil has so many things that he wants to do in our lives. He wants to pull us in every direction. He wants to get us with a lot of good things that make us miss the best things. So how do we get back together? Number one, we seek seek God's direction through prayer and Bible study. We look at, um, when we look at, looking at, when we actually start talking about changes in our family, let me give you number one, I'm sorry, before I jump ahead of myself, I mean letter A. Seek the Lord as you make critical changes in your family. Seek the Lord as you make critical changes in your family. A lot of times, I know especially as a dad, we Understand, we finally see a problem. We, we go through it and we're like, oh, I see the problem that's in my home. I see it. And our first, our first thing is attack the problem. All right, I see that there's a problem in my family. I see we're fragmented. So none of us are going anywhere. We're all going to sit here and we're all going to spend time together. I'm going to make this happen. We just go from one end to the extreme just saying, hey, I see the problem in my family. Now we're going to nail it down, get this thing taken care of, and make sure, hey, my family's not falling apart. But what we need to do is, number one, stop. Seek God's direction through prayer and Bible study. Seek the Lord as you make critical changes in your family. I had hope that somehow, through some of the ramblings, the Holy Spirit has translated those into something helpful to be able to help in the families. But the key is that we really need to seek God's face before we just start throwing stuff out and pulling stuff in. Because a lot of times, as I said, we go from one extreme to the, one, one extreme to the other. Our family's falling apart. I don't know how to fix it, so I'm just going to start throwing the duct tape everywhere, so to speak. And we're just going to fix this family. Hey, seek the Lord as you make critical changes in your family. Letter B, seek the Lord as you decide what stays on the schedule and what goes. Seek the Lord as you decide what stays on the schedule and what goes. Today, just like I said, we're going to try and go practical. I listened to um, Pastor Chapel on the Pastor Paul Chapel, uh, he has this podcast called the Spiritual Leadership Podcast. I told my wife, the reason I like it is because Pastor Chapel just doesn't tell you like a whole bunch of great spiritual facts. He tells you how you're going to implement those in your ministry tomorrow. And so what I want to do today, as we look through this and putting a fa- fragmented family back together again, is saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. The spiritual answer is always, well, you need to pray about it. Well, we need to. And then we need to seek the Lord as you decide what stays on the schedule and what goes. Can I challenge you as a mom, a dad, even as a teenager to look at your schedule and pray and ask God, 
what is important and what is not. There's a whole lot of things, just like I said, with my schedule, Thursday and Friday were the first nights that I actually sat down and we did something as a family. Because I had been going, going, going. We had been to every church in the area's revival or some kind of meeting. and I mean, they were all good things. But it was the first time we got to sit down. And I need to analyze my schedule as a father. Hey, can this be done right now or can it be done another time? There's some times where I have a lot of good things going on. I need to study for a message. But I haven't spent time with my family. And you know what? My lazy flesh does not like to think, well, I can get up at early, early in the morning and I can study and I can spend this time with my family. Because my flesh doesn't like that. Flesh is like, hey, how, if I do this now, I can get up at like 8 o'clock. I can roll out of the bed, jump in the shower, roll out the door, and everything's already taken care of. So look at your schedule prayerfully. God, would you show me what things that really, they're good things, but I could just erase for right now? I can put away out of my schedule? And you'd be amazed what when the Holy Spirit starts to show us things, how many things that we're involved in that we think are really good, that make us really busy, but they're really not helping us in the long haul, and we can cut some of those things out of our schedule. And I know that once we start talking about a busy schedule, we start cutting things out, the first thing comes, it just comes, whoa, no. The reason I put them in my schedule is because I need them. The reason I put those things in my schedule is because they need to get done. But sometimes we can shift things, we can move things, we can do things a little differently. So, we seek the Lord as you decide what stays on the schedule and what goes. Number two, make tough choices about good things. Make tough choices about good things. A, be willing to rearrange priorities in the schedule. Be willing to rearrange priorities in the schedule. As I said a couple weeks ago, we have so many things in our lives that pull us in a lot of good, a lot of good things. Genesee soccer team, good job to you guys that play on the soccer team. Andrew, Braden, I think they're the ones who play on the soccer team here, and the girls went out and they did well in volleyball. A lot of good things are happening. And sometimes we get wrapped up in so many of them that there is going to take some time where we have to make some hard decisions. We have to make the tough decision. Hey, this is going to have to happen in our life to strengthen our family. And sometimes they're hard. Two or three years ago, my mom, my, my brother Anton is 10 years younger than me. He struggled a lot. With same, some things that have happened in our family, he struggled hardcore. There was times where my brother would write things out and do things that tore my mom's heart apart. And I remember one day talking to my mom on the phone. My mom said, hey, I just quit my job. I quit everything. I'm moving to Florida. I'm going to get your brother up there where you guys are, and we're going to start going to church with you guys. She didn't have a house, didn't have a job. She just said, hey, we got, I got to do whatever it is because I will not let my son go. You know what? Sometimes it takes hard decisions. And I remember watching my mom come to Florida and work a job that she hated. She never, she never like voiced it because my mom's not that kind of lady. She just would talk about, well, it's good, but, and she would just kind of, but she would never complain. I remember watching her work a job that she hated to put my brother through Pensacola Christian Academy his senior year. Why? Because there was a whole lot of things. The church she was in was a good church. The people there were good people. But it came time to make a hard decision about her family. And it was, hey, I'd rather 
trade it all so that I don't lose my son. And you know what? There's a lot of things in our life that we, we sometimes hold on to so tight. Well, my kid can definitely, my kid has to. Well, I have to. It goes back to the part where we're prayerfully asking God, God, what in my schedule needs to go? What needs to stay? Teenager, could you make it if you never got to pick up another basketball, never got to kick up another soccer ball, if it meant your family stayed intact? Could it mean something that if you played an instrument and you may never play that instrument to the full potential you may have, but if that means that your family can stay together, does your family mean that too much to you? Dad, if you never can buy your family the house of the, your dreams, your kids don't wear the name brand clothes because you chose to try and take a job that would keep you with them. We got to make tough decisions about good things. I would dare say that all of us would say for our kids to succeed in school, succeed in all the things that life tells us they need to. We would say, yeah, that's important. That's why I put on the schedule. That's why I work so hard. That's why I do all these things. But when it comes down to it, we have to come back and say, hey, I'm willing to rearrange my priorities. Dad, my time with the guys, I may be able to shave that off as much as I want to go out and play basketball with the guy. Mom, the time that I think that I need and maybe duly noted, I mean, very much needed time away from your children. But there may come a time where I have to say, you know what? I'm going to have to trade what I want for the priorities of my family. You know what? It's a tough decision. There's going to be times where it probably is a decision that it's like, wow, this is going to cost us a whole lot of the things that our society and our culture has told us we need. But are we willing to rearrange those things? Are we willing to say, you know what? For the sake of my family, I can put these things away right now. Got to make some hard choices. Letter B, be willing to give family time a higher priority. Be willing to give family time a higher priority. Just like we talked about in the beginning of family fragmentation, the devil has sold us hook, line, and sinker on the fact that your family can stay together without deliberate action on your part. That, hey, we go to church. Hey, we do a lot of good things. My family's going to because we all the good things that we're doing, there's no way my kids will go and do. There's no way we would ever, our marriage could ever end up in a divorce. Because look at all the good things we're doing. But we need to stop and say, you know what? I need to make sure my family is highest priority. Before Aaron Burden gets what he wants, my wife and my son and my daughter need to be taken care of. God, they're the highest priority God's given me. Before even your children, I take care of your children. God's given me the priority to take care of mine first, my family. And so we have to go ahead and say, you know what? Family is the highest priority. And we come, from a, we come just through a generation probably before us. That family wasn't the highest priority. Dad worked all the time. You only saw your dad pretty much from like a couple hour or two before bedtime. And he was tired as all get up. And all he did was like, hey, leave me alone. Go play with some toys. And he just shoot you out of the room. Mom was busy doing all her things. And that's why you look at now and you see marriages that were like 20, 30 years are ending in divorce. 
because family wasn't a priority. And so we have to make a deliberate attempt to say, you know what? My family is going to be my priority. I remember when I first got married, my uncle, he had been married like three or four times. And he had told me, he sat down with me. He's like, Aaron, I'm going to tell you one thing that I've learned. He's like, you take care of that one right there. And he pointed to Aaron, who I was going to marry then. And he's like, you need to take care of her. He's like, if the guys laugh at you because you say you're going to go home and take care of your wife and you're going to go spend time with your wife, he said, you just walk away. He's like, I know. He's like, it took me three, four times to figure that out. And I remember telling him that. My uncle, he's, he's not, his life isn't all it should be. He's trying to do things right from here on. But I remember him sitting down and telling me that. And you know what? I don't think he even meant it in any kind of biblical way. But it is the priority to make sure our family is where it ought to be. So, number three, make a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Make a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Now, here's where we get into the meddling part. Because if I can say a lot of good things, but I want to challenge you to sit down this week as a husband and a wife, look at your schedule and do what I said earlier and pray over it. Pastors can do a lot of good, uh, say a lot of good things, but it's always the shut off when they say, go home and do this. I don't got time for that. I don't have time to sit out. <laughs> My schedule's already busy. You even said it yourself. Schedule's busy. Hey, make a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Paul Chappell said yesterday, when he, I was telling you, I listened to the podcast of Spiritual Leisure. He said, whatever does not get scheduled, most of the time does not get done. He said, if you want it done, you schedule it. And he said, right now, he was talking, in, in fact, of soul winning. He said, if you don't schedule a time to go soul winning, you will not go soul winning. You will never Try and witness somebody if you don't just schedule it. The same thing happens with our family. If you just don't go ahead and make the time to spend time with your family, you're going to lay in bed at night and be like, man, I messed it again. Man, forgot today. So make a a week-by-week assessment of your family time. Hey, schedule time with each family member. Schedule time with each family member. Now, I get to say this because it's still kind of easy for me because seeing that I have, well, Shia will be four on Tuesday, but I'll have a four-year-old and a three-month-old. It's really easy for me to, tell, to say, to spend time, schedule time with each of my family members. Number one, most likely my son's going to be up in sometime in the middle of the night or something. So we'll definitely get our time in. And my daughter, I mean, we can just goof off. We can drive to Walmart and just be singing at the top of our lungs, goofing off. And she's having the best time. We can, we can ride through the Walmart in a cart, goofing off, driving like those people that you always tell your kids don't act like when they get to the adults, and, and do that kind of thing. And, and I can do that, and my daughter right now, hey, we, we had a great day. And I didn't actually have to sit down and say, schedule out any game, do all these things, like, hey, let me play video games. I didn't have to do anything. All I did was just run through Walmart like a nut. And she's just laughing and giggling having a good time. But it comes to time where we have to schedule time with all our members of our family. And you know what? Sometimes that may require me thinking more than just, oh, well, I'm going to be headed here. Why don't I throw them in the car with me and we'll talk on the way over? I'm going to be doing this, so why don't I just yank that kid over here and spend time with them? Go ahead and schedule it and say, you know what? I want to schedule time with each memorable time with every member of my family. Same thing as a teenager. Go ahead, put it in your schedule. Talk to mom and dad. That's really weird. 
I'd feel really dumb sitting there with my mom and dad and oh my schedule. Well, mom and dad, I put on my eight o'clock. It's time to come and sit down and talk with you. Hey, do it. Make sure schedule your time with each member of your family. B, keep family commitments. B, keep family commitments. This is hard, especially as my kids are going to grow up probably to be pastors. Hopefully not probably. They're going to grow up to be pastor's kids. Almost every pastor's kid that I've ever talked to, like their one thing they hated about their dad being in ministry was because they're like, I remember we'd have family vacation. We'd have to stop and come back because somebody died. Because somebody's marriage is messed up. As Michael, Michael Saunders said it himself, uh, pastor's retirement. Hey, dad, you tried to fix their marriage. Let them get divorced and move on. This is our family time. But that is what happens. We don't keep family commitments. And I remember growing up, my dad is hard to tie down to something. He is hard to, to tie down. He's like, dad, can we, go, can we go do this? I'll think about it. Come ask me later. Okay, okay. And that would work. Ten minutes later, dad, 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 are we going to be able to? I'll talk. We'll talk about it later. Okay, okay. Dad, dad, dad. And my dad would never get tied down to anything. Why? Because he knew that as soon as he got tied down to his three boys would be like, well, dad, you said. Dad, you promised. Dad, dad, why? We're late. You said we were going to be there. Man, keep family commitments. Make it a priority. Make it a priority that if, hey, something happens at work, if the best you can, hey, you know what, guys? I know this has to be done, but I told my kids I would. I know this has to happen, but I told my wife that I would. Make, make it a commitment. And just go ahead and keep family commitments. Same thing with teenagers. Sometimes as a teenager, you think that your parents' schedule revolves around yours. Oh, well, I need to go to the work, so of course, Mom, you're not doing anything because I need to drive over there. Dad, I know you can't be doing anything right now because your life surrounds me, so wherever I need to go, you go and do it right now. Thanks, Dad. Appreciate it. I'll tip you later. And when we look at our lives, you need to make, as a teenager, make a commitment. Hey, we had something planned for our family this night. You know what, guys? I can't go hang out tonight. I understand that we're going to have a lot of fun. I can't do that tonight because I made a commitment to my family. Make it a priority and then make a commitment that I'm going to try and fulfill every commitment I make to my family. Number three. Be willing to be willing to schedule extended time with a member of your a struggling member of your family. Sorry, if the thing shifted like 50 times, that was my fault. Four, be willing to schedule extended time with a struggling member of your family. I have heard of two situations for two different pastors that have had kids that struggle. These are both men that I really look up to. And the one I know, he left his ministry and took a Shabbat or Sabbath or whatever they call it. And he went out and spent time only just him and his son. He just dropped ministry right where it was and put in there and said, you know what? My son is struggling right now. I am going to preempt this we've got to be willing to schedule extended time hey if you have that kid in your family and i know every family has them because everybody always says that they always look at the one of their kids or two of the kids or maybe all of their kids but they'll always look at me like well that's gonna be the one that kills me <laughs> he's gonna be the one that does me in she's gonna be the one that be willing to say you know what i'm gonna preempt that 
I'm going to spend time. We were at our Landmark Baptist Church in Clio with Brother Dave Young. And I remember, um, uh, well, I think the message is, I put it up on the youth ministry site, the tbcyouthministry.com. There is a parent section just in case you parents ever want to check it out. If I hear a good message on the family, I post it there so it would be a help to you. But I remember Dave Young has a message up there where he talks about how he had the son as an evangelist. He remember preaching as a young evangelist, my kids will not. And he said that his son came along that did. Everything that he said, my kids will not. And he talked about how it would frustrate him so badly because he said he remembered telling people, oh, my kid would never act like that in church. And he's like, then he looks back there in church as he's preaching and his kids doing that. And he says that the only thing that he's known to do was to make sure he's zoned in on it, preempted. He tried to make sure he said now he's not quite like that. He said he still has the streaks, but he said it took some time to just focus on that problem and make sure he spent extra time trying to deal with it. So letter A, get away to have fun together. Hey, get away to have fun together. Carrie Schmidt in the book, in the book, he talks about how he says, if you have a struggling member of your family, if it's a teenager, you take them away. He said, and don't sit down and discuss the hard things. He said, first, just go out and have some fun. Just let them know as a parent that you still love them, that you are still number one, like we talked about earlier, that they are still priority in your life. Because most of the time, some of the problems that stem from it is simply a teenager thinking, my mom and dad don't have time right now. They don't really know what I'm going through. So just get away, have fun. It doesn't have to be a million-dollar vacation to the Caribbean. It could be just say, oh, <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I'm sorry to burst your bubble. It doesn't have to be a million-dollar vacation. It could be just saying, hey, let's go shoot some hoops. Hopefully one day, that's the way I'll choose to fix all my problems with my son. <laughs> let's go play some basketball. But let's get out there and let's... Try and have fun together. Let your kids know, hey, I have a busy life. Yes, I'm not trying to tell you I don't. But I want you to know no matter how busy it gets, there is a priority. And that priority is you as my family. So, B, pray that God will soften your teen spirit and resolve the issues of the heart. Pray that God will soften your teen spirit and resolve the issues of the heart. I have only gotten to meet Kerry Schmidt two times, I think. Two times in person. And the one time we went there, uh, we met him at Youth Workers Conference at the Wilds. And one of the things that he said in one of his sessions was like, one of the things that I made note of in my mind that I hopefully will never forget. He said he has not found a problem in a teenager's life that has not been solved by a dad praying with his teenager. He said all the time, the craziest situations he said he's dealt with. He says he's talked to dad. He said he would sit in the office and say, dad, well, this is what I want you to do. Every night I want you to go with your son and kneel down by the bed. And I want you guys to pray together. And he said the guys that said, okay, I'll do that. And he said he checked a week later and they didn't do that. He said their sons kept going the same way. But he said of all the dads in the situations, this is not a scientific study. This is just Brother Gary Schmidt saying from his experience that when the dad got down, and got for real, and pray with his son, pray with his daughter, he said things started to happen in the teenager's life. Now, we have to start to pray that God will work in our lives and to work in the lives of our teenagers. We talk about it a lot. Well, I'm praying that my child will. Well, I hope that my child will. Are you really praying or do you spend more time talking about how much you pray? 
we got to pray that God will work in the soften the hearts. Teenager, let me flip it the other way. You pray for your dad, your mom, if they're not doing what they should be, then you pray that God will soften their heart. My dad is on my prayer list. I pray for him every day. When we went over to Dave Young, Brother Dave Korn, since my brother traveled with Dave Young for a little bit, he knows my brother. And before we left, Dave Korn, Vangelist Dave Korn, said, hey, I just want you to know, I pray for your dad at least once a week. That means something to me. Because my dad's not where he should be. But I pray for him every day. Teenager, do you spend as much time complain, I mean, about praying for your, your parents as you do complaining about the things they don't let you do or the things they don't allow in your life? We've got to start making our family a serious matter of prayer. And then we have to pray together. Now, I will say that as far as praying with my kids, I do enjoy times praying with my daughter. And we were listening to me and my wife were here in the office. She worked, she Sometimes works when Mrs. E's gone. And we were listening to a message by a, a guy Pastor Scott recommended. And he was preaching on the home. And honestly, in my little mind, I thought, check, got that done. Check, yep. We're on our way to the home that God wants for us. Check. Until he got to the point where he said, hey, husbands, how, many, how much time do you spend praying with your wife, not just for your wife? And I did. I had to go back to my wife, and I apologized to her. As we were sitting there in the office, I was like, you know what? I thought I could check off a whole bunch of lists on that. Yeah, we're doing this as a family. We're doing this as a family. But I have to come to be transparent. I do not pray with my wife as I should. I pray for her every day. Pray for her for numerous things. But I don't pray with her. We have to make our family serious. Serious. Matter of prayer. And we can't just walk around just like we've done for years and years and years. Well, I'm praying that my kid will when we haven't even asked God one thing. When the angels have to look around, <laughs> I didn't see that prayer request come up through heaven. I didn't see that ever come up. But we like to brag about how all the things we're praying about. We need to make pray that God will soften your teen spirit and resolve the issues of the heart. And then number five, this is big. Don't expect a miracle overnight. Don't expect a miracle overnight. It goes back to what I said from the beginning, especially as a dad. Oh, I see the problem in my house right there. Drawn X, we are attacking right there. Two weeks later, it didn't work. None of that worked. All that stuff. I sat down and did my schedule. I did this, and my kid still hates me. My kid still not wanting to serve God the way I want to. Don't expect a miracle overnight. Hey, it takes time for the fragmentation to heal. It takes time for the fragmentation to heal. If you've had, and if you still do, have a busy life, and your teenager doesn't understand that you are, he is or she is still priority, it takes time to build the trust back. It takes time. I tell the teenager sometimes, I love my dad to death. But my dad sometimes, not sometimes, he, he has a hard time sometimes with the truth. Like, sometimes I'm like, Dad, why are you even telling me this? Like, I know it's not true. You know it's not true. Why are we even telling this? Well, I'll call him on the phone sometimes. My dad will say, hey, I just bought a such and such. Just bought a new truck. I'm like, oh, you did, Dad? And I'm like, now, to my, I don't even, it doesn't even go. I'm like, oh, that's great, Dad. Hope you enjoy it. Because in my mind, he could have bought it. It could be sitting in his yard. But I don't believe it. Because <laughs> I'm like, there's so many times I've, I've talked to him and he said he got this or he did this and he never did it. 
You know what? For that to happen, for my dad, for me to go back to believing my dad full hearted, it's going to take some time. This is the first time my dad says, hey, I got this. And I go to, I, we're going back home to North Carolina to visit for a little bit. And I say, oh, he really did get a new truck. That's going to happen, happen a couple of times before I'm on the phone thinking, oh, yeah, man, that's awesome. Dad, you just got this? Because right now it's just, yeah, Dad, I hope, that, I hope that new truck works out for you. And I don't do it. My dad's a regular guy. I love him to death, but he has a problem with that. And the same thing happens in our homes. We can't expect a miracle overnight. I know that I've never made time to sit down with the family before. But this week, we are attacking this family fragmentation. It's never going to happen again. Hey, don't expect for your teenager to look at it and say, Oh, thanks, Dad. I'm so glad that you finally got our home together. They're probably going to say, Whatever, Dad. Because <laughs> they know two weeks, three weeks, as most times we do it as dads, we go to attack the issue two, three weeks later. What? What? Hook, line, hook, line, what? Oh, yeah, I do remember that book. Yeah, yeah, I think it's under on the coffee table or something. Hey, we can't expect a miracle overnight because it takes time for fragmentation to heal. Letter B, it takes time to rebuild relationships. It takes time to rebuild those things. I am glad, and I praise the Lord, that the Lord allowed me to read books like Hook, Line, and Sinker and all these things before my, teenager, I mean, my, my kids are teenagers. Because you know what? I understand now, Lord willing, and the Lord willing will continue. My daughter doesn't know anything more than every night before she goes to bed, dad is going to come up. She's going to wait for me to come up to pray with her. You know what? It takes, it's going to take time to build a relationship with your young person to say, you know what? We're going to pray together as a family. Because at first, it is going to be annoying to your young person, to be perfectly honest. We've never sat down and prayed before. I've got so-and-so chatting me on Facebook. I've got homework to do. I've got all these things that I've got going on. We've never done it before, so why are we starting tonight? You just go ahead and pray for me. It takes time. It's going to take night after night after night after night after night after night after night for the relationship to be built where it's supposed to be. And we do like things to happen overnight. And I would love if every time I spoke in youth group, the problems that I try to solve in my little mind and come out here and preach. I wish that every time I got up here, kids came down to the altar, didn't even call for an invitation. Just coming down, Pastor Burton, you were so right. Oh, man, I need to get this right in my life. But you know what sometimes it takes? It takes Pastor Burton to be what he's supposed to be week in and week out, trying to live the life he's supposed to be, appreciating over and over and over and over and over again. And Lord willing, one day that relationship will be built. One day something will change, and I'll be able to watch these young people go off to serve the Lord in all the different spots. But it takes time to build a relationship, so we can't expect it overnight. And then number six, our last one for today. Look for teaching moments. Look for teaching moments. And I know as a teenager, you're like, oh, man, not teaching moments. <laughs> not moments where mom had to stop. Stop everything. This is a teaching moment. Do you know why I don't want you to do this? Dad stops. Hey, hey, hey. Pull the car over right now. You know why we do this in drivers? And you know why I'm letting you learn how to drive in my car and make the teaching moment? The kids always scare for the teaching moments, but we need them. Hey, nurturing is not forced. Nurturing is not forced. 
to be able to build a family. We need those teaching moments. Those teaching moments cannot be forced. It is not, oh, well, Holt, I read a good something in my devotion this morning, and I just think that you need to hear it right now. We're not moving until you get this truth that I, get, I grasp from the Lord. Nurturing is not forced. Like, as a parent of a young kid, four months, four month old, Mr. T is, um, oh, sorry, he's not four, two. My wife just held up the two. She wasn't saying peace. She was saying two. But as, um, but as a, as a two month old, it feels like four months. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as a two month old, my, he has, he has a cold. And so right now, his nose is stopped up. And, Praise the Lord. He doesn't have enough sense to open his mouth and breathe out of his mouth. So, so he, he sits there and he'll like. And it's like, like, come on, buddy. Stick the bottle in his mouth. Or he'll sneeze and then he'll breathe. And he'll start breathing again. And I, we try to feed him. Yesterday, uh, he was up at like 4.30 in the morning. And it took probably 30, 45 minutes for me to feed him. Because every time I'd stick a bottle in his mouth. All of a sudden, he starts drinking, and he remembers, I can't breathe. <laughs> and then he'd go crazy again, and then we'd fix it. But you know what? As a parent of a four, uh, two, two-month-old, as a parent of a two-month-old, I did not shove that ball in his mouth and say, man, get over it. Blow the snot out, and let's get on with it. Come on, buddy. Go, 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 go. I've got things to do. I, didn't, I couldn't do that. Why? Because as a parent, I look at it, I was like, oh, he doesn't know any better. Poor guy, laugh him, chuckle at him, like, and goes crazy and flails his arm, and then wait and stick the bottle back in. Then, as soon as he does it again, take the bottle out. This is going to take me forever, but nurturing is not forced. Same thing happens in our families. Just because our, our kids are no longer a couple months old, you can't force biblical truth into their lives. You may have to be creative. You may have to stop and take some time, but nurturing is not forced. B, create an atmosphere for teaching moments. Create an atmosphere for teaching moments. Make sure that your kids know that, hey, mom and dad care about me. When they stop, they're not lecturing me. They're trying to let me know something I need from a life. Create an atmosphere for teaching moments. Let her see. Connect heart to heart. As parent and teen. Connect heart to heart as as parent and teen. Solomon says over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs, read it. My son, give me thine heart. Give me thine heart. See, our relationship with our young people, and same thing for young people with your parents, it has to be a heart to heart. It can't be fact. It can't be just Parents, this is how you ought to live because I'm the dad and I'm telling you, it has to be dad's heart connecting with that young person's heart to let you know, hey, the reason I work all day is because I love you and I want to provide for you. The reason I'm stopping right now to tell you, son, that you ought not be involved in that is because I love you and I don't want you to end up down where maybe I've been or I don't want you to end up down the wrong road. Same thing with mom. Hey, the reason I'm telling you this, the reason tears are running down my face is not because you just frustrated me on my belief. It's because I love you. And we have to connect heart to heart, not just emotion to emotion. Connect heart to heart as teens to parents. And D, lastly, give biblical principles from your heart. 
give biblical principles from your heart. I will tell you this really quick and we'll be done. Um, our pastor back in Florida, Pastor Daniel, he was, um, he was probably the best at this that I've ever seen anybody. He could pack a biblical truth and like a couple words and not like from preaching, but in regular everyday life. Like the kids, some of the teenagers would be messing down the hall doing something stupid. And Pastor Daniel would just walk by and he'd quote a verse. And he'd quote a verse and he'd just say it and he'd walk by and they'd stop. I'd be like, what in the world? Like, I've told them so many times not to do that, but Pastor Daniel would just come by, he would just quote a verse. And the kids didn't even know the verse. But he could pack that biblical principle, right, into something to keep walking and stuff would get accomplished. Mom, dad, next time something happens and it's that teaching moment, make sure it's filled with biblical truth. Because the same way that as I have to preach here in just a little bit, I come to nod a long time ago. I will only waste people's time if I tell them what Aaron Burden has to say and what Aaron Burden thinks about it. Well, what I think of the issue is, as soon as I say that out of my mouth, you can go ahead and throw it in the trash. But if I can infuse biblical principle into it, my kid may not know that verse. They may not know everything that's going on around the circumstance, the context of the passage. But when I infuse biblical truth into it, it's something no one can argue with. But, 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 but this is what God has told us to do as a family. But this is what God has chosen for us. And you know what? After a while, when we actually get back to taking the Bible seriously in our families, infusing biblical truth and to try and direct our families is key. Hey, I just can't fly off the handle as Aaron Burton. Oh, man, the reason I don't want you to do this is because it's just plain stupid. No, the reason I don't want you to do it is because God has commanded us in his word that we ought to walk a certain way. We've got to make sure it's infused with biblical, biblical principles from our hearts. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for our time together. Lord, I've gone long, but Lord, I thank you for the attentiveness, Lord, of all these folks, Lord, who have so graciously listened. And God, I ask that you please help us in our families. Strengthen us, help us to live for you. We need your help so badly. We love you. And God, we'll thank you for everything you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.